Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord today? You made a real good decision to be here. I'm laughing on my way up here. I thank God for an encouraging wife. She patted me on the shoulder and she said, go break a leg. (laughs) Thankfully, we're talking about divine healing. We may need it if I tripped over here and broke my leg, wouldn't we? Amen. Who's got their Bible with them today? Let the Word of God be the source of all your strength. Amen. Let the Word of God be your truth. You know, people talk about my truth, your truth, this truth. There is truth, and everything else is a lie. And the author of truth is the God whom we serve, the God of little harmony. That when they say, you know, something, we see something going on, no, everything's fine. And when He speaks, we have a choice. Will we receive truth, or will we believe a lie? You know, Satan hadn't changed. From the beginning, he's always been saying, did God really say? And we can reply and say, well, I don't know. Let me doubt this for a little bit. Or we can declare and say, yes, God has said. How many is going to say God has said and stand on his word? Amen. Let's make our confession today. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart's receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, if that's you, shout amen. And lift up a hand clap of praise to God if you believe that. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Great and marvelous things you've done in our midst. And we give you the praise. Turn with me to Exodus 15, verse 22. Exodus 15, verse 22. We're going to read a couple verses today, and we're going to work our way through a couple passages in the Bible. I want you to know this. God Almighty, He is your healer. And I want, us, I want us to discover something. It's something that kind of the Lord woke up in my heart. You know, that's how God works, doesn't He? You keep studying the Word by the Holy Spirit. He's teaching you. The Holy Spirit's the master teacher. I'm thankful for, for earthly teachers. I have many of them. I'm thankful for my natural father and my spiritual father who birthed me into the kingdom of God through teaching and preaching the Word. I'm thankful for all that. But we have the master teacher, the Holy Spirit. And the more you study the Word of God and you allow the Holy Spirit to open up the truth of God's Word in your heart, things just, it's like they pop off. How many has ever had that experience? You're reading something in the Bible, you've read it a hundred times, and then it's just like, oh, I never saw that before. I didn't know that was there. And what I was seeing in the Scripture is this, that God, what we see Him as is provider and healer and sanctifier and our peace and our joy and our strength Those are not things that, hear what I'm saying, they're not necessarily things that He does in your life. It's 
who He is. And when He's indwelling in you, it's just His nature is moving through you. So what I want you to see today, healing is less of something like God's just zappo and it's a thing He does. It's He is health. He is healing. He is life eternal. And when He takes inhabitation in your flesh being, Romans 8, 11, the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead makes you alive. Your own mortal body. And so that's what I want you to see today, that God is healer. It's much more than just He does healing. It's His nature to heal. To heal your body. We can see their spiritual healing, soulish healing. We understand that. But I'm talking about bodily healing. Exodus 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and then they went out to the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Verse 23. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara, which means bitter. Not too creative, is it? Verse 24, And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? If you keep reading in Exodus 16, they eventually say, What are we going to eat? And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, Don't ask, What shall we drink? And what shall we eat? And what shall we wear? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things that the Gentiles are looking for will be added unto your life. Murmuring, complaining will always bring death and destruction. In fact, there's a point it gets into the book of Numbers. God says, these ten times you murmured against me. You complained against me. You used your tongue as a weapon against me, God Almighty. And this has brought destruction in your life. You're going to have tests. Mara was a place of tests. But every test is simply an opportunity to prove your faith in God. A test is an opportunity to prove that you have faith in God. Verse 24, And the people complained about Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Verse 25, So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he, God, made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them. Verse 26. And said, If you'll diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. For I am the Lord who heals you. For I am the Lord who heals you. Verse 27. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. Yeah, I don't want to get too super spiritual in the sense of you know using imagery. Sometimes you can go overboard in that in the scripture. Some people, they see... Uh, some sort of animal in Scripture, and then they manipulate it and make it to be some wild, wacko, psycho thing, and they say it's the Holy Ghost. You can go too far out. The Bible means what it means when it says what it says. 
Just take the Word of God at face value. Is there imagery in the Bible? There is. And where there is figurative language or imagery in the Bible, you find out what the literal meaning is. But every little thing you don't have to super spiritualize. But we can see here that when the children of Israel come out of Egypt, they're tested. Their faith's tested. They just saw a great and mighty miracle, the Red Sea. Well, they saw the ten plagues, which were all miracles, that came against the captors the Egyptians, that would not let the people of God go. You know, before you came to Christ, you had a captor, Satan, and he had a hold on you, and he didn't want to let you go, and he's still upset about it, and he'll take you back if you let him. (laughs) And he would love to vex you and hurt you, and any opportunity that you'll give him, he'll take it. Ephesians chapter 4 says, give no place to the devil. He's looking for an opportunity. God said to Cain in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, Don't you understand, Cain, if you'll do right like Abel did and bring me the proper offering, I'll receive you just like I did Abel. But sin is crouching at the door. That Hebrew language literally means like a predator-type animal, a leper, not a leper, a leopard, crouching. This is a lot more cuter version, but who's ever seen little tiny kittens and they're playing? And before they jump, they kind of wiggle, and then they jump. That's a cute version of what the Scripture is talking about there. Sin is waiting to pounce. And if you open the door, Satan will strike. Who's not going to give any place to the devil today? No place to the devil. What I want you to see is this. They go through this test. God makes bitter water sweet, and then he takes them to Elam, a place of rest. And in between those things, God gives the people of Israel a covenant, a covenant of healing. And he makes a declaration. He said, if you'll serve me, I will take care of you. I'll take care of your bodies. I'll heal your flesh. I will be your healer. And I want you to understand today that God has not changed. God's not going to change. You know, sometimes Satan likes to play that little idea. Well, you know, I know God said that, and I know people have experienced that, but if you believe God, maybe it will be different this time. And if you stop and think about it, oh, that's right, Satan. God's not changed in all eons of time, but now me, AJ, and little old Lawrence, when I decide to believe, God's going to wake up and say, no, you know what, I said it and I can't lie, but this time I'm going to change my mind and not do what I said I'd do because AJ asked. Well, that's just silly, isn't it? God's not going to change. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he's spoken it, he'll make it good. Isaiah 55 says that the word of God goes forth like rain. When rain hits the ground and waters that seed, it makes the earth produce. The earth has no choice. It is the nature of the earth to produce when it's watered. And the word of God, the nature of the word of God is to go forth and to break up fallow ground, hardened ground, and make that ground produce. That's why the preaching of the word of God is the only solution for anyone, any person, any family, any city, any nation. Everything else is secondary. But if you can get the truth of God's word into a people, it will set them free. 
Hope is not found in politicians and governments and money and corporations and social programs. Hope is found in Christ alone. And when you build your life on His Word, your life becomes unshakable. And what we can see here is a word from God will change your life. And His word is, I am your healer. Turn with me, your next is 15. Just go a few pages over or a few scrolls or clicks or taps if you're using a digital device. Exodus 23, verse 25. Exodus 23, verse 25. Exodus 23, verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one will suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. You know, I'm a list maker. I'm just, I like numbers. I'm just, my mind makes, just numbers things out. And my, my father's like this. He goes somewhere and he just starts counting things. Like if he has to sit in a waiting room, he's going to count ceiling tiles. And he'll look at me, you know how many ceiling tiles are in here? I said, no, Dad, I don't know that. But I have a feeling you do. So I kind of picked that up. But if you look, there's five redemptive things that God does right here. How many serving the Lord today? If you're not, you can change. You can choose to change. Because when you serve God, what's He going to do? He's going to bless your bread and water. He's going to take sickness from your midst. You're not going to suffer miscarriage. You won't be barren. And He'll give you a long life. Now, you might think this is a little peculiar way to bless the food, but when I got a hold of that promise, when Laura and I were believing for a child, we just started blessing our food that way. Amen. You might think, well, you know, I mean, some people say, you know, God is good, God is great, let us thank Him for our food, mm-hmm, shall be fed. I don't know it, something like that. Uh, and that's fine, you want to do that. You want to, you know, uh, well, Lord, we thank you for this food. We pray that you bless it and sanctify it for the use of our body or upbuilding your kingdom, something like that. You know, people have different kind of phrases that they use to put faith in. Well, we would sit down a couple years ago. We were leaving God for a child. We have contrary reports to that belief. And we just sat down. Well, let's take hands. We're going to bless this food. Just Laura and I, just two. And we say, Lord, we thank you that as we serve you, that you bless our food and water. You know, you need a blessing on your food and water. I don't know if you've looked at an ingredient list lately, but when you eat something and there's 72 ingredients, something may be up. When you can buy McDonald's in the drive-thru and forget it and sit it in the back of your car and find it six months later and it still looks the same, something may be up. That's conspiracy theory. No, my friend, uh, <laughs> the same chemicals that keeps that food for nine years may, may help. Well, maybe that will give you long life. If you eat enough of it, you'll be congealed and pickled <laughs> for a for hundred years. You need a blessing on your food and on your water. Oh, was it a few years ago? Maybe more than that. A particular, I can't remember the details, but a particular city in one of the states, Michigan, something like that, where it came across that some politicians had not used money to filter the water properly, and they were buying their own water, bottled water in their houses because they knew the water in the city was contaminated and they didn't do nothing about it and tried to keep it hushed while people were getting sick. That's called the way of Balaam, 1 Peter chapter 2. It's when you do something for money's sake because you're greedy. Now, I know we don't know anyone like that in the world, do we? You need a blessing on your food and water. 
will not suffer miscarriage or be barren. Well, how you know that works? Well, now there's three of us at the table. And one of them we got to clean up every time we eat because she makes a real big mess. And I'll fulfill the number of your days. See, the Lord is your healer. Healing is not just a, a hit in time here and there. Though when we need healing, we have full covenant right to ask for it. But you understand, I actually heard Pastor David Jenkins, who's going to be here in two weeks, say this. Healing is, is when we need it, ask for it. But there's a higher plane, and that's divine health. Because if I'm living in divine health, it's kind of like having a gas tank that's always full. If I need healing, get it. It's my covenant right. Matthew 15, that Syrophoenician woman, I love her. She couldn't be offended. She goes to Jesus, says, Lord, my daughter is sorely vexed, suffering from demonic sickness. And I want you to heal her. I know you can. And Jesus ignores her. And then she begins working on the disciples. And those disciples, of course, they run to Jesus, say, Jesus, you're going to have to do something about this lady because she won't leave us alone. How many knows a persistent woman can get some things done? Jesse's laughing the louder than everyone else. Uh -oh. And so then Jesus says, look, it ain't, it ain't right for me to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Because he had a direct mission from God the Father to bring salvation to the house of Israel because he was bound by the covenant that God made with Abraham because God's word doesn't change. And God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing to the nations. So Jesus has to come and preach to Israel himself, the Messiah, before he can go to the nations of the earth. He's bound by his word. God is bound by his word. He will not do something against what he has said. So what do we do with this Syrophoenician woman? She says, Lord, I hear what you're saying, but even the dogs pick up some crumbs that fall off the table. I don't need the whole loaf, Jesus. Get, just give me a crumb, and I know that will heal my daughter. And what does Jesus say? My Lord, I haven't found faith like this in all of Israel. Because she refused to be denied. Because God's not going to come off His Word. The, the Lord has made a promise, and He has said, I am your healer. I am the God who heals you. How many thinks that God's still the same yesterday, today, and forever? You know, this is what I've discovered. Some people, they may firmly believe this. I don't know why, because you cannot support it by Scripture. But they would say the age of miracles is gone. Well, here's my first question. Has God changed? Malachi 3, 6, I'm the Lord God, and I do not change, and therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. You boys ain't all burned up because I haven't changed. Thank God for it. You jump over to Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Has Satan changed? John chapter 8, your father, he's talking to the Pharisees, your father, the devil, is the father of lies, and he always has been from the very beginning. So I know God hasn't changed. I know Satan hasn't changed. And guess what? The needs of mankind hasn't changed. It's 2022. There's all kind of technological advances. 
And we've got, man, we've got some wonderful anointed nurses here. Thank God for their ministries that they do. But they'll tell you, there's only so much they can physically do. In fact, I was reading testimony of a doctor about the power of will, desire. And the doctor said, there's some people that I've, you know, I worked on on an operating table. I thought they, I thought they were just, they were dead on the table. He said, but if that person wants to live, they do. But then there's someone, you, they look, they're sitting up, they're eating, they look normal. But if they're ready to go, they go. Because there's a power there that is a supernatural, spiritual power. If I can get it over into your heart and mind, it's this. Everything that you can see, taste, touch, feel, experience naturally today, all has a spiritual seed or an unseen counterpart. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that. The world that we see has been created by the unseen world. And I know this, the needs of mankind have not changed. With ev- it, it seems like with every new remedy, pharmaceutical drug, surgical procedure, there's also new diseases, new sicknesses, new illnesses, and new afflictions. So I know this, this healing covenant that God has promised in Exodus chapter 15 is still for today. How do I know that? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, verse 26. I got just a touch of a ring. I'm sure you hear it, Joe. Just a touch of a ring on this mic. I don't know if it's the monitors picking up from behind me. I don't even know if it's in there. There's something there. Matthew 26, verse 26. We actually looked at this just last week when we took communion. Hopefully this will give you a whole you know, new idea and, and plane of seeing when we take communion. Matthew 26, verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them and saying, Drink from it all, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. How many is thankful for the blood? The blood has been shed for the forgiveness of sins. But ask yourself this, why the body? Why is it blood and body? Healing is just as much promised, available, and paid for as your salvation. Why the body? Because sin is a spiritual sickness. That's the purpose of the blood. The book of Leviticus tells us that there's life in the blood. And that's the whole point of animal sacrifice in the Old Covenant. It was a type and shadow of what Jesus must do. But why the body? Because he had to purchase with it, not had to, desiring, wanting to, for you, the healing of your body. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, as we kind of take a little journey through here. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. Genesis 2, verse 16. You know, I stream four days a week 
on a platform called TikTok, and I meet a lot of interesting people via virtual. People say, some people get on there and they say, you believe in Adam and Eve? I say, I sure do. I'm not crazy enough to think just something went boom and the world existed. I believe in creation. I believe in Adam and Eve. Genesis 2.16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You notice there, just just side note, God always reserves something for himself. People think about the tithe and offering. Some people wrongly, unscripturally, put it under the law of Moses, but it preceded the law of Moses. You could even say this is an example of the tithe and the offering. God always gives you something and says, now some of this is mine, and it's a test to see if you're going to honor me with what is mine and return it back to me. That's just a side note. But you can see verse 17. What happens when they disobeyed? Sin, disobedience brought what? It brought death. You shall surely die. Now we understand, we saw this in Pastor Series, The Big Picture. We understand that this is talking about spiritual death. But we're going to make a connection here that you're going to see real vividly by the Holy Spirit. Look at, you're in Genesis 2. Turn, flip over to the New Testament. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. I'm going to have you flip a few times. That's all right. You came to church. I'm sure you didn't expect to read the telephone book. We're going to look at the Bible. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. We're flipping too much in the Bible. Well, that's what we're talking about. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. This is the New Testament understanding of what we just read in Genesis chapter 2. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin... And thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Death, excuse me, sin always brings death. Some way, somehow. Ezekiel chapter 18, the soul that sins must die. Direct command from God. That's why Jesus died on our behalf. Because when you believe on Jesus, the death that he died is accounted for on your account. When he paid the price of the sin debt, he did it on the behalf of anyone that would put their faith in him and confess him Lord. Again, kind of this idea with God, he is healer. So when you're believing on him, you're experiencing who he is, which is health and healing. It's the same way. When you declare that Jesus is Lord, you experience salvation. Because the day and age we live in has probably never changed because people don't change. The day and age we live in, it's very apparent, though, that people want Jesus as a Savior but not as Lord. But you don't get a Savior without having Him as Lord. In fact, you actually must submit to His Lordship, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. You confess Him, Lord, believing in your heart He's the risen Son of God, and you shall be saved. So how do you experience salvation? You believe on Him as Lord. And he came and paid a price because through sin, death came. Death came through sin. You, you know this verse. It's just one chapter over if you want to look at it. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I like to say it this way because we don't use the word wages a whole lot. But you can say it this way. The paycheck for the work of sin is death. I think I'll skip a couple paychecks. Amen? The paycheck for the working of sin is death. 
But the free gift of God, that's eternal life. That's what, that's what the Lord's saying in Exodus 15. I'm making a covenant with you. If you come under my lordship, I'm making a statue, I'm making an ordinance, I'm, I'm giving you a test. What's the test? Will you put your trust and your faith in me? If you'll come up under my lordship, you'll hear my words, you'll obey my words, I'm telling you, I'll make a covenant with you which will result in the healing of your body. When you receive me as Lord, you receive the benefits of who I am in my nature. See, with Naomi, she's my daughter, obviously. You look at her, you can tell she's my daughter. So I remind Laura of that a good bit. She'll just, well, I'm not going to say what, what she said the other day. But Laura will say, she is, she's your daughter. She just looks like you. She looks like you. I said, I know it, but Mama, she acts like you. She acts like you. And Laura said, I don't know if that's good or bad. I said, that's good. That's good. That's good. Naomi's my daughter. Because of that connection, she experiences who I am of every way that I am because of relationship. When you have relationship with God, you experience who He is. And He is healer. He is healer and health and life to your physical body. Look at this, John chapter... 10, verse 10. I want you to see this. John chapter 10, verse 10. You probably know this one, of course, but it's good to keep your eyes on it constantly because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. The thief is Satan. And everywhere he shows up, he has three points of attack in his plan. Steal, kill, and destroy. If there's any stealing, killing, or destroying, it's the work of Satan. And I tell you what, if I was Satan, and I'm not, though some of you said, you, said, you, sure, you act like him sometimes. No. I'm not. But if I were him... I tell you what, I would love to do my work and then you blame God for it because then I can get away with it and I can sneak around like a snake in the grass from, like I did from the very beginning. If I can run around, wreak havoc, and then make you think God did it, well, you'll never get rid of me because you'll be fighting the wrong person the whole time. If there's any stealing and killing and destroying taking place, Satan's the author of it. How do I know that? Well, many reasons. But one, God is almighty. It's not like he's trying to get you. You know, I, the Lord's trying to get me. No, my friend, if he was trying to get you, you would have been gotten a long time ago. You would have been dust if God was trying to get you. Zap, bam, you're gone. But Satan steals, kills, and destroys. But Jesus has come to give life and give it abundantly. Now, how did he do that? How did he do that? Look, 1 John 3, 8. 1 John 3, 8. I'm working your fingers today. That's okay. 1 John 3, 8. 1 John chapter 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose... The Son of God was manifested, revealed, 
that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the stealing and the killing and the destruction that Satan was working in your life. He came to destroy the works of the devil. How did he do that? Acts chapter 10 verse 38 tells us that. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with them. How did Jesus destroy these works of the devil? By doing good and healing everyone that was oppressed of the devil. Part of Jesus' ministry, His purpose for coming to the earth was to set the record straight that part of what Satan does is destroy your body. And Jesus has come to destroy the destroyer. Jesus has come to bring destruction to the destroyer, Satan. Because God is your healer. See, death, sickness, illness, affirmity, affliction, something that attacks your flesh body, the origin of it is sin. Hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. Some people hear what you don't say, and that's, that's a problem. I'm not saying if you're suffering from sickness, you've sinned. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when Adam and Eve committed high treason and sinned and transgressed against God, the natural byproduct of that sin was death, spiritual death. And they were no longer connected to God, right? They were walking in the cool of the day. And now Adam and Eve... They've made clothes because they've now discovered their nakedness because they're no longer holy and pure. They've, been, they've sinned and they're hiding. What caused them from going from walking with God to hiding from God? The destruction of their relationship with God. And God is healing and health and life. So when the sin separated man from God, the natural effect that it had on the body was sickness and disease. Sin... The spiritual condition of sin brought death to everything in the earth, including the natural body. After all, if you were Satan, and you've been kicked out with a third of the angels, roughly so, as our guess, being kicked out with these angelic rebellion, rebels, and then God makes a man after his own image and likeness, not only do I want to separate him from him, but if I can mar and hurt and abuse that human flesh vessel that every time I look at you, it reminds me of what God did to me, I think I'll take a, I'll take a whack at it. And that's what Satan's doing. Anything he can do to destroy and to break and to hurt and to harm, he's going to. And this is why Jesus came. This is the purpose of his mission. To get you back to the place before sin entered the earth. Look at this, Isaiah 54. Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah 54, and we're going to look at two verses here as we come to a close, and we're going to pray today. If, you're, if you need healing in your body, we're going to have a time of prayer ministry, and God's going to do a great mighty work in you. Isaiah 54, verse 4. Excuse me, Isaiah 53, verse 4. Isaiah 53, verse 4. 
Whoever I bought this outline from on sermon.com made a typo. Some of that, some people don't think that's a joke. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him, Jesus, stricken. Here's Jesus being, being beaten, bruised, and battered at Calvary. They thrust a thorn of crowns into his head. They strip him naked, humiliate him. They beat him with a cat of nine tails on his back. They plow rows in his back with a whip. And the people and humanity think, oh, God's real mad at this guy. We think he's being stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. The New Living Translation says of this, I really like this. Verse 4, yet it was our weakness Jesus carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment of his own sins. Verse 5, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. The purpose of Christ was to destroy the works of the devil. And in part of that, destroying the destroyer was to bring healing and health to those sick and afflicted in their body. Well, how do you know that? Well, turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, someone just said 17. They paid a little extra and got notes ahead of service. Matthew 8, verse 16 and 17. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed. You still think people can be demon-possessed nowadays, AJ? Have you opened your eyes in public? You need to have a spirit of discernment. You need to let the Holy Spirit check your spirit. Parents, grandparents, you get a check in your heart, mm, I don't know if they need to go hang out with so-and-so. Don't let your mind think, oh, you're just being an old fuddy-duddy, too hard on them. Maybe they don't need to. I, you can't be judgmental. No, you need to pass holy and righteous judgment. You do not judge someone and write someone off and say, they can't go to heaven, they're too far gone. That's what we don't do. But we do make righteous discernment and say, I love you, I'm praying for you, I want the best for you, I'll be there for you, but I cannot give access to, what, to you because of what you're doing right now. As a, as a, there's a man, uh, y'all don't know him, in ministry, been a while, and I've been watching him and I, I said, you know, he sounds good, he looks good. How many know Satan comes as an angel of light? He sounds good, he looks good. And I told Laura, I said, but there's something off. And it just feels like an unclean spirit. Because there is demon possession. It's a real thing. And he cast out the spirits with a word. 
Man, that, that's a whole series right there. He cast out the spirit with the word. Psalms 107 verse 20. And he sent his word and healed them. A word will change your life. And he healed all who were sick. How many did he heal? Some. Most. 99.9. Only the good-looking good ones like y'all. He healed all who were sick, verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. Man, that sounds familiar. He fulfilled those words because when God says something, he fulfills what he has spoken. I am your healer. I am your healer. Because God is healer, Christ came to destroy the works of the devil, which in part is sickness and disease. And in the ministry of Jesus, we see him fulfilling this word by healing all who were sick. Well, someone probably can guess, but let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. What's the verse? 24. I'm going to let y'all preach next time. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Miss Nellie knows it. She's got healing scriptures playing her house every time I come visit. That's a good thing. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. So we saw the word of God prophesied Jesus would take stripes and you are healed. Have you ever asked yourself, if you've ever read Isaiah 53 and you think, now wait a minute, this happens before Jesus, before the Word becomes flesh and is born of a virgin. You believe that? Yes, I believe in miracles. Born of a virgin, walked this earth sinless, yet died for the sins of the world. Completely God, but Philippians chapter 2 emptied himself and being completely man. How is it that Isaiah is prophesying of what is to come, but he speaks in the present tense? We are healed. We are healed. But it ain't happened yet naturally. Because when God speaks, He speaks the end from the beginning. 1 Peter chapter 2. So we got, we are healed. Jesus fulfills the word. Then we get to 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24. Who Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree. That we having died to sin. How many's died to sin? Amen? Yeah, you can live holy even though the world will tell you you can't. Dead religious people will tell you, you can't, you can live holy. Might live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Past tense. Something happened between the we are and the we were. The sacrifice of Christ. He paid the debt of sickness along with sin at the cross. That's why in James... You need to see it. Someone's going to think I made it up. James chapter 5 verse 14. James chapter 5, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Someone say sick. And the Lord will raise him up And if he's committed sins, someone say sin, 
he'll be forgiven. One prayer, one God, one name, one anointing, healing and salvation. Healing and forgiveness. Because when your sin was paid for, so was your healing. And only natural minds separate the two. In the eye of God, when redemption was paid for, redemption was paid for. It'd be like someone coming up after you eat lunch somewhere, you take the ticket, and you say, I'm going to pay for your lunch today. They start saying, oh, thank you so much. And you go up and pay half the bill. And then you go to leave. They say, wait a minute, they only paid for half. That lying, dirty dog, they said they was going to pay for my lunch today. God didn't do a half payment. When he paid for your sin, he paid the debt for every consequence of sin, which includes healing for your body, peace for your mind, provision for you and your family. Even if they don't know that printing $3 trillion in a year and a half produces 8% inflation. Peace and provision for your family. When God paid the debt of sin... He paid it completely, meaning that everything that sin brought with it, including sickness and disease, he paid it. Meaning that when you receive his life, you receive his healing. Because Romans chapter 8, 11, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal fleshly body through His Spirit who dwells in you. Divine healing is a spiritual thing. It's a supernatural work of God. It's something that's not done by the hand of man. But the hand of God's not too short to reach you. He's not too weak to touch you. The hand of God moves and can bring healing and vitality and not just healing from sickness, but health and life and strength and length of days. To your flesh body. The Bible says it. That the body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1. He has given you the earnest. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of your promised possession because He has purchased you. He purchased your body along with your spirit and your soul. That's why He's your healer. Because when he paid your debt, he paid it fully. He paid it completely. And when he paid the debt of sin, he also paid for the consequence of sin, including sickness and disease, illness and affliction. And wherever the life of God resides and dwells in, sickness and disease has no right to cohabitate. You are the body of Christ. And the body of Christ cannot have cancer, blindness, asthma, arthritis, infections, fevers, COVID-19. If there's a 20, 21, 22, they can count as high they want. Because God purchased your body. 
He's a caretaker of your body. He cares for you. The stripes on Christ's back bear witness of how much He loves you. Not just to save you from hell, but to give you life in your body, in your children's body. <laughs> to put life in your body and produce a child. To fulfill the number of your days and give you long life. Healing is yours. It's the children's bread. We rejoice in that little Syrophoenician woman and how bold she was to not be offended by God. But notice he said, it's not right for me to give the children's bread to a dog. You've been made a child. The loaf of bread of healing sitting on your table. Just sit back and eat. Healing's yours. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.